if you look at the Apostle Paul's life and just just back away from it for a second, and just say, OK, here's here's this man's life. Um, you can, without any argument whatsoever, say that he had the kind of faith that was strong in life. I mean, you, you wouldn't have have doubted. OK. But he finished well. And he had the kind of faith that was strong in death. And, and I think there's times that you and I, we don't look at the death side of it. We look at the life side of it. And we have embraced the temporal so tightly that death at times can freak us out. Uh, you hear that they died young or they didn't get this done or they didn't have that done. Uh, and the truth of the matter is, um, for a Christian, death is, is going to happen exactly when God planned it. And, and I think what happens is we look at temporal expectations. And if I didn't get my temporal expectations met, then something must have happened. And, and I think that's a very dangerous Place When I, I think about the Apostle Paul, um, I kind of look at it and I say, you know what? He, he finished well. He, he, he died with patience. He died with hope. He died with joy, even an eagerness. Um, and all I can say is what a witness to his faith. You ever thought about that? When I think about the Apostle Paul and even at the writing of the at the time of the writing of this letter to the Corinthians, um, if you looked at it and and measured it to, quote unquote, ministry today. He looks like a failure. I mean, a whole bunch of people want him dead. Okay, and it's like everywhere he goes, people just get mad. And how can you have the good news of the gospel and all it does is offend people? I remember reading lectures to my students by Charles Spurgeon. And he made the comment one time that too many in Christendom today want to be hoisted on the shoulders of the saints and touted as great men when they carried their king out on a cross. And I think about that because I think about the Apostle Paul. Um, he to say he gave himself for the gospel would be one of the greatest understatements that you could ever state to give himself for the gospel. Let me tell you what he thought. He's in the Mamatine prison. He's preparing to die. He knows he's under an order of execution. He doesn't know when it's going to be, but he knows he's dead. He knows he's not going to get out of the Mamatine prison. Writes to a young Timothy, who's going to take his place. Timothy, I've trained you. I've poured myself into you. You're up. And he says these words, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. 
And in the future, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness that the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. That's the conclusion of his life. And you would sit and you would look at it and you think, dude, they're getting ready to kill you. How can he be sitting there in the Mamatine prison or even in Ephesus when he's writing this letter and it's going south on him there? How can he be this positive? That's your outline. Why? The Apostle Paul understood that the next home is the best home. Okay? Next home is the best home. You know what? While I'm in this tent, he says in verse 1, but it's being dismantled. It's being torn down. But I have another building that is coming. Another dwelling. And in that dwelling, God makes it and it is suitable for heaven. That's amazing. Why? He looked at it and said, you know what? I'm going to get out of this. And I get a heavenly body. But he also understood that the next one was only perfect. Have you ever thought about that? A perfect reflection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it means. I think that's kind of awesome. It just... This part of me goes, oh, that's that's a trip. Because it kind of does some things. I mean, it ascended from Mount Ereba to heaven (laughs) without a spaceship. And, you know, today you will be with me in paradise. You're going to cover how much ground when? Where this house we groan longing to be closed in our dwelling from heaven, inasmuch as we haven't put it on, we'll be found naked. And he implies here that without the resurrected body, you're still naked. Okay? With the resurrected body, you become clothed. It's kind of cool. But then we looked at it last week in verse 5. It is He who prepared us for this very purpose is God. And he's given us the spirit as a pledge. Our next existence is the fulfillment of God's promise. Okay. And, and when you, when a person comes to salvation, you hear this statement, they're born again. Okay. I look at that and say they have a resurrected spirit now. Okay. But it's still in, to use Paul's phrase, And that old clay pot. But it's precious. And to fulfill God's plan, it has to have a resurrected body. That is in the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, we looked at this last week, Romans 8. God causes all things. For what? To conform you and I into the person of Jesus Christ. We will be in that image. I like that idea. I think that's totally awesome. I can take this resurrected spirit and stick it in a resurrected body. And wow. And what's really cool about it. It was only planned in eternity past. I like that. I think that's totally awesome. 
Believers should not be just satisfied with the redemption of our souls. We should long for the body that is in the image of Christ. That should be a longing for us. Because verses 6 and 8 says, The next home is with the Lord. We will dwell with the Lord. You know what? The new body. Cool. (laughs) You know, I'm in. All right. Knowing that it's only perfect. That's pretty cool, too. That's I'm, I'm okay with that. The fulfillment of God's eternal promises. That's sort of like a wow. And then he sits there in verse six. Therefore. Okay, let me summarize what I've just rolled at you. Therefore, being always of good courage, there it is. You know what? Now, with that therefore, he steps into the greatest of the four. Always of good courage. While we are here, there is always a joy there is always a confidence. There is always this passion, this, this happiness that nothing can remove because I know I'm going to go be with the Lord. There's nothing more traumatic than I have experienced in the ministry is that at a person at nearing death, not sure. Not sure. How many people in this room has had someone you know die and you hear him make statements? Well, I remember when he walked an aisle. Well, I remember when she was baptized. I remember, I think she gave her life to the Lord. I think he did this. But now they're gone and you don't know. Okay. Their actions didn't seem to back up what they said. The life just doesn't seem in line. And you sit there and you say goodbye to these people for eternity. And you sit and go, well, I hope. What? They received Christ. They said the sinner's prayer. What are you hoping for? It's too late. Doesn't matter. When a Christian dies, there should be no doubt in anybody's mind. You should be coveting them. (laughs) When a Christian dies, I covet it. Oh, you caused me to sin again. Okay. Why? The race is run. Their service for the Lord is fulfilled. They hear, well done, true and faithful. Listen, you can see true and faithful here. I was true and faithful, stealthy. I was a spy for Jesus. I didn't want people to know I was. No. That ain't the way it works. Always of good courage. Why? Because you can face death happily because you know you're going to be with the Lord. Now, listen, I got to be real emphatic about this. I don't, I'm not talking about people who have had a long terminal suffering and it's just going to be better with them to be with the Lord. That ain't what I'm talking about. That ain't what Paul's talking about. Listen, Paul ain't dying from cancer here. 
He's dying from head removal. Okay, and you got to get it. I'm not talking about that. You know, that they have just lived a long and fruitful life and, and they were just ill all the time and in the hospital. That ain't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about my passion is more to be with the Lord than to be with the people and the loved ones that I have here. You got that? Now, it isn't a death wish. Okay, I'm here about my father's work. But let me use myself as a personal example. Um, my father died when I was 12. Okay? He never seen me um, drive a car. He never seen me uh, kiss a girl, or go on a date, go to the prom, uh, play football. Uh, he, he never seen any of that stuff. Okay? And a long time in my life, that's all I was interested in. As long as I can see my kids drive, graduate from high school, if they go to college, graduate from college, that'd be, that'd be good for me. Okay? Well, I've got to see all of that. I've got to see all of that. And, 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 and it has been a tremendous blessing for me to, to, to have bore witness to this. Okay? I, I just rocks my universe. I think it's totally awesome. But truth of the matter is, I'd rather be with the Lord. And I ask myself these questions. Would I prefer to be with the Lord than to see my kids grow up? When I get their college bill in, I say, yeah. <laughs> I have no problem with that. <laughs> but but and it's, and it's, we get so obsessed with this place. That we start forgetting. Do you realize that you're only going to sinless perfection? That's all. You're going to a place where sin does not exist. And I still kind of, um, uh, what? See, Paul loves people here. And I think that everybody in this room, there's people around us that we love. But Paul wants to be with the Lord. I mean, I'm going to say this, and Paul loves the Lord more. He loves it more than his life. He loves it more than being here and hanging out. He loves it more than serving the saints and strengthening the saints for the work of ministry. Who do you love the most? Because I guarantee you, this is not going to be a shocker, but I want you to hear it. Every single one of us in this room have one thing in common. Did you know that? We're all going to get to face death. Every single one of us. I don't care what your age is right now. Um, you don't get any guarantee on nothing. You're going to get to face it. And you know what? When you face death, if you look at eye to eye, it will be evident to all men. Where your greatest love is. Where your greatest love is. Okay, is it for you? Or is it for the Lord? Because that's what it's going to boil down to. Human body has a mechanism based into it. It's called fight or flight. And when the human body is in, in travail of some kind, uh, it, disease or whatever, it literally starts shutting down organs to preserve itself to its own death. 
I mean, it's basically what's going to happen. All right. And it's called fight or flight. It is in your nature, your DNA, your chromosomes, whatever you want to call it. It is in your cellular structure, self-preservation. You face death and you look at eye to eye. Are you more worried about you or the fact that you will see Jesus shortly? That's what the Apostle Paul is trying to get at here in the therefore. Therefore. Being always of good courage. I'm always happy. I'm being stoned and left for dead, beaten with rods. The Jews want him dead. The Gentiles want him dead. But I can always be courageous, it says. To use uh, (laughs) one of my favorite authors, um, be of good cheer. And you sit there and go, wow, that's... Seems kind of odd. Happy, complete, facing death with confidence, facing it cheerfully. Now, listen, I want you to understand something about this. This attitude isn't an emotional thing. And it goes back to what I said. It isn't, well, I have suffered so much. I'm in so much pain. I have so much travail in my life that it just just is easy to go on to heaven. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking that my love for my Lord Jesus Christ is so much greater than anything that I have here. This place doesn't tie me up. I guess, you know, I was reading Linsky on this and he's, his comment was, it is a settled confidence. Okay, and a settled confidence is what he's trying to say is, you're not going to move this. You're not going to move this. Listen. I can't remember who said it. It's either, I don't know, it could have been Spurgeon or Sproul, I don't know. It was a quote, to despair about death is unchristian. You know, I, I just, I look at life, and if I take the writer of Hebrews, I look at life, and life is just a race to the finish. That's all it is. Dun, 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 I'm off. Okay, now what I have learned is it's not a sprint. Okay, because that's kind of kind of got me a couple of times. I thought, why am I still here? <laughs> oh, I'm still. Oh, this is. I haven't got the first lap done. Oh, poo. Um, but when I look at Paul's writing in Second Timothy, I understand it as a battle to win. And the winning is to be absent from the body to be present with the Lord. Why? Because the next home is the best home. The next home is the perfect home. The next existence is God's promise fulfilled. And the next home is with the Lord. When the race is done, when the battle is over, and there is that triumphal victory, remember? Walk in the triumph. Why would I hold so tight to this life? Listen, 2012 is setting before us. Do you realize there is only one reason to stay here? Did you know that? To serve. What a drag, eh? I thought it was to be served. 
And that's why you see so much turmoil in the church, because most want to be served. And you know what? What they're looking at is self. And if you look at self, when death comes a knocking, I don't have a lot of hope all of a sudden. I get bummed out. Well, I didn't go to go to the Bahamas. Well, I never got to go on a honeymoon. I never finished up my education. I never did. And you get all these. I wish I would have. And the reason is, it's about self. Let me let me ask you a question. I can go across this room right now and look at every one of us is in a different place in our lives. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Are you content where you are? Now I'm not now listen, I'm not talking complacent. Okay? Big difference. But are you content with where you are? Because when I look at scripture, I understand that when my service is done, there should be an eagerness to leave and be with the Lord. But the only time I'm ever content is when I'm serving the Lord. Because if you think about it, the things that you do to serve yourself, when do they fulfill you and when do they make you content? Interesting concept if you think about it. I've been uh, working on cars. All of my cars have had attitude problems because it's winter. And uh, you just kind of go from one and then go to the next one, and go to the next one. And then I show up at home last night and some guy has dropped an ATV off with a little note on it that says it won't start. <laughs> you know, so you just sit there and, and you know what, there, there, there's times when you work on things and all of a sudden you start it up and it runs. You're like, well, that's kind of cool. Okay. But there's going to be another ATV. There'll be another breakdown on the car. There's going to be another, it just, it just goes on and on and on. And you keep thinking, well, how many thousand of these do I have to do when I'll be content? <laughs> well, I'll be content when I don't have to do this no more. Okay, but then somebody will think up something for you to do. I've run into that. Okay, if you're a guy and I have to go from this from a man's viewpoint, do you have a honeydew list? Have you ever noticed anything about a honeydew list? They're perpetual. Have you ever noticed that? It's just it's like. You know, you look at it and it's got two pages. Well, that's not so bad. And then you get to two pages and you're like, well, it's got two pages. And then you get, look, it's got two pages. And it's just going to, look, two more pages. Now, it never is, if they brought it to you in its wheelbarrow form, you would say, oh my God, right? And yeah, you just say nothing, burn that. <laughs> okay. But the thing is, is it shows a lack of, Contentment. Now, and it's not just a woman who's making the list. I have, I have a honeydew list that is subject to every human being, best I can tell, because <laughs> everybody has something they think I need to be doing. Okay? 
And what I've learned is, even when I'm doing them, I'm not content. When I look at the Apostle Paul and he looks at his life, if you look at the suffering of his ministry, and yet he was still content. I mean, one of the things that fascinated me about Paul, it seems like the strongest churches were the ones that he didn't stay at long. You ever notice that? Philippi and Thessalonica. Just a few months. And then the places that he really poured himself into, guess what? <laughs> I have to keep writing letters and letters and letters. And I'm sending Timothy to you. And I'm going Anyway. When the service is done, we should be eager to leave. That's what the Apostle Paul says. Paul understood it. Paul says, yeah, I would really love to see the rapture. But I also know that if I'm a spirit without a body for a time, that's okay too. But if I have to stay here and live to continue my service to my Lord, I am content with that. There's no reason for us to sorrow when a loved Christian leaves. Okay, because I hate to break the news to you and I see that you're all sitting down. There is no loss. There is no loss. You don't get it. It's just a temporary. I see you in a little while. Even if it's another 50 years on the eternal timeline. What's 50 years? Because when you look at this, you can say we are always of good courage, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. I am still happy. I am still joyful because I know that while I'm here, I'm doing his work. And when I'm not here, I will be with him. Well, how do you know that? Well, the Bible tells me so. Is that a song? I am here in this tent, which means I'm absent from the Lord. I am in a physical way. Now, get a hold of this. In a physical way, I am separated from the Lord. Okay? It's not that I don't have contact. Okay? Lo, I am with you always. All right. Well, how are you with me always? It's real simple. Through word and prayer. Word and prayer. You have the indwelling, remember, as a pledge, the indwelling of the spirit as a pledge, as a promise. Okay. We are separated from the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've got to be honest with you. You're going to be stunned about this, but I'm going to be honest with you. I have never seen Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, I wonder how many in this room long for that separation to end. The ladies did uh, Psalms. So I thought I would do some Psalms. Okay. I'm going to just ask you some questions. That the psalmist states. Okay. We all have a a lot of things going on. Some of us have retired. Some of us are dying to retire. Some of us don't even know what, how to spell retire. Okay. So you, you, you've got a broad specter right here. 
All right? Let me ask you a question. Psalm 42, 1, 2. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Now, I know what that picture is because I've been to Israel. Okay? And let me tell you something about Israel. Water's important. (laughs) There's just not a lot of it. Okay? And the picture there, and they have these little things, uh, ibex. They call them deers, but... I, whatever. They ain't but about that tall, full grown. That's a deer. That's a big rat. <laughs> but, oh, I don't know, but they call them ibex and they're cute little buggers. But you will see them at times scampering across these deserty hills and they're headed for the next ravine. Why? It's where the water's at. And I wonder in Christendom today if we're like that. Because technically, I look at that verse 1 and 2 in the Psalms, and I remember what Israel looks like, and it's like God forsaken down in the Negev. They call it the wilderness. Dude, <laughs> wilderness would be a step up. Okay? Um, I mean, it is, it is dirt and rocks. And then every once in a while, you'll see a little green thing stick up, and it lasts about seven minutes because the Ibex says, look, food. Um, we exist... Here physically in that desert. And we should be as the deer pants for that brook. Let me give you another Psalms. I'm into the Psalms. Psalm 73. Psalm 73. Verse 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. How are you doing? How do you answer those questions? Shall I give you more? You know me. Spread the wealth. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17, speaking of the rapture. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and we shall always be with the Lord. That was the thing that kept the Apostle Paul motivated. Is that a passion? As you're going through the day-to-day grind, is that your focus? Is that your desire? Writer of Hebrews speaks of this too. It's kind of cool. Hebrews 11, 10 through 13. Speaking of those who live by faith and were looking for the same promise, he was looking for a city which 
has a foundation whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life since she, she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, there was born even one man and with him as good as dead at that as many descendants of the stars of the heaven in number and innumerable as the sand which is at the seashore, all of these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on earth. That's powerful. Why? He's talking about the generation before the cross. They're looking to the promise. You and I, well, I look in my mirror to see the promise. It's behind me. The only thing I'm missing is the container. John speaks of it. Revelations 21 verse 3. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. Verse 23 of the same chapter. And the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illuminated it, and its lamp is the Lamb. That's pretty good. Chapter 22, verse 3. There will no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His bondservants will serve Him. They will see His face, and His name will be upon their foreheads. Why don't we long for an ending of our separation? And it goes back that I don't know that we are like the deer panting at the brook. And for whatever reason, when I see that there is no sun and there is no moon, because the glory of the Lord lights it up and the lamp will be the lamb, and it will only be that way for eternity, I'm sitting there going, no electric bill. No need. Verse 7 of chapter 5. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith. We live and we serve an invisible God. I've never seen him. Never seen him. But I put my hope that that unseen place that I can't see. It's not some mystical, mystic thing that's hanging out there. We believe and we live by faith and we believe in the word of God and the word of God tells me these things. The resurrection is spoken of in the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament. Heaven is spoken of in the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament. And we believe by faith. We live by faith. Please understand, this is not a blind faith. I have 66 books. Explain it to me. 
Listen, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't understand heaven. I really don't. You know, my first misunder, why I don't understand about heaven? Why does he want us there? I mean, that's, that's my first, what? Okay. But I don't understand complete absence of sin. I, I just don't understand it. I, you, you, well, it's, I don't know. I have no idea what that is. I can't imagine walking around in a body that has the ability to walk through walls and yet has the ability to eat. And it is in a place that there is no day and there is no night. It is illuminated by the glory of God forever and ever. And all we're going to do is eternally serve him in absolute perfection. I don't understand that. I know what the Bible says. And I'm thinking it's going to be a blast. Jesus said, blessed are those who do not see yet believe. You know what that means? We should be happy. There should be a joy that nothing can touch us. Why? Because we believe and have not seen. When I look at people who are always looking for a sign or a miracle or things like that. Listen, I'm not anti-miracle. Okay, but when I see people who are trying to get a sign or they're wanting to see a miraculous act, you know what you're telling me? You have a very weak faith. Because faith is not seen. I don't see it. Because if I can see it, guess what? It's not faith. It's a Buick. No. (laughs) We walk by faith. Faith that the word of God promises our resurrected body with our resurrected spirit in absolute perfection in heaven. That's what the Bible says. It even tells us how to get there. The word of God is true. And we place our eternal destiny on it. That text I shared with you out of uh, Galatians 3 this morning. What you've begun in the spirit, you are now perfected in the flesh. Really? Are you so foolish? But we try it. We can, we will face death. And I pray that each of us at that point do it with a confidence and a happiness, even in the most severe afflictions, turmoils, and or trials. Because of what the Bible says. I walk by faith. Faith in the word of God. I, I see God only through the eyes of faith. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying there in verse 7. We walk by faith. Not by sight. Not by sight. Verse 8. Be of good courage. We are of good courage. We are happy. We are confident. We are joyous. You can't steal it. Heaven is a better place. Why? The Bible tells me so. We believe it because it's better. I'd rather be there. I'd rather be there. You know what makes it better? I prefer rather to be absent from the body than to be at home with the Lord. What makes it better? It's where the Lord is. Courageously facing death with confidence, joy. Why? I prefer to be with the Lord. 
I prefer to be with the Lord. I, somebody I, I was reading it and it's stuck in my head and I can't shake it. <laughs> Do we have a heavenly homesickness? You ever seen people homesick? Okay. Do you have a heavenly homesick? That's where my true family is. That's where my true loved ones are. That's where those who really truly love me are. It's wonderful about going home. And when we leave this body, we should be longing to be in the presence of God. Prefer to be absent from the body to get where I belong. Okay, I'm an exile here. It's, it's like the, the deer running through the wilderness areas of the Negev. I, I want out of the desert. I don't want to have to look from ditch to ditch for water. I long to be with the Lord. Paul wanted to be with God ASAP. Now listen, I, I want you to understand. There's a triumphal hope found on, founded on the love of Jesus Christ. This is not a death wish. Okay, if you think about it, the foundational love of Jesus Christ should have us seeking the single highest form of fellowship. The single highest form of fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ is in his presence. And we, based on the love he's already shown us, should be seeking that. If now listen. If you love somebody, okay, you ever, some of the, I'm going to get guys in trouble again, ain't I? <laughs> Too bad. Um, when you were dating your wife before you got married when, and you were, what do, we, what do they call it? Pursuing. Okay. Now, in my generation, you would send her letters. If you were out of town or something like that, you'd send her, and now we do, I don't know. Nobody sends a letter. I, don't, I bet people don't even know where to get stamps at. But um, um, you, you would send them a letter. You know, I, I've talked to some guys who are in Afghanistan, and, you know, they get to do the Skype and they do the, the, the texting and all that other. And I don't guess they text. They, uh, what do they call it? Email. And, and they do stuff like that. They said, but there's something about getting a letter. It says, you know what? You can put on... Uh, your body armor, and you get that inside pocket, and you stick that letter in that pocket, and you go out on your patrol. There's a letter. Okay? When you love somebody, you would send them a letter. Or you might call them. Okay, that's what I usually do. Okay? Um, if uh, Paige and Stephanie both can say that my handwriting, <laughs> I don't know what he told us. <laughs> it's, he wrote it down and said, here, can you translate? <laughs> no. <laughs> so uh, my, my sister-in-law once said, you should have been a doctor. And I said, what do you mean a doctor? Said, Doctors can't write, neither can you. <laughs> I, like, I should have known. So that's why I call. But you know what? If you remember back, that person you love, you can write them, you can call them, but you know what? You would rather be with them. My communications with the Lord right now are spiritual letters and spiritual phone calls. And they're going to say, well, that's corny. Uh-uh, the word of God and prayer. 
Why? I read my Bible and I pray because I love the Lord Jesus Christ and I want to be with him. And there's days that I want it as soon as possible. Do we prefer to be with the Lord? To know as know Him as you are known? Have you ever thought about that? 1 Corinthians 13. To know Him as you are known. That freaks me out. It's, it's like when a boy and a girl are dating, they're getting to... Know each other. Well, let me tell you something. In His presence, you will know Him as He has known you from eternity past. Whoa! Try to translate that. <laughs> Listen, our tents are being dismantled. And are we facing it with joy, happiness, and confidence? Another psalm I will share with you. I want to ask you a question. Remember, the psalmist rolled a bunch of questions at me. Try this one. Psalm 116, verse 15. You've all heard it, but I'm going to ask you a question. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his godly ones. Precious to the Lord is the death of a godly one. Hey, godly one, is that precious to you? Because that's the invert of it. You ever thought about it? We've all heard it. You go to a funeral, somebody always flops this out and says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of this great loved one. My question is this. Hey, loved one, is it precious to you? Death. Your death, is it precious? So that you can say, I'm going to be with the Lord. Odd way of looking at it. I've looked at things weirder. Jesus said, In my Father's house are many rooms. I go to prepare a place for you. If it was not true, I would not say. Where I am going, you may be. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55. Sting of death, where are you? You can't hurt me. Nee, 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 nee. That's not the biblical translation. <laughs> See, the issue is being where he is. Why? Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ enough today to say you are homesick for where he is? You know what? I look at it. Next home, new body cool next place is perfect cool it is the fulfillment of God's promises absolutely but you know what the greatest is I can commune with the Lord Jesus Christ without interruption for eternity that gave Paul a happy confidence that regardless of what's going on, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Now, I want you to think about this because in the context of 2 Corinthians, it's the focus is what? Ministry. Ministry means 
service. So in the view of ministry, I know that whatever I'm doing here, when I'm done, I'm only going to be in the presence of the Lord. That's all. That ought to light our fire. Ought to light our fire. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for our brother Paul and the amazing things that he has done. And is still doing, Lord, through the words that you poured through him by your spirit. Father, give us ears to hear. Help us to embrace these wondrous truths. Father, help us to focus upon your kingdom and your righteousness. Father, I love you. I thank you for bringing these souls together today. And Lord, I pray that their love for you will grow with every breath you grace them. And Father, that we would long with a heavenly homesick heart to be conformed into the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the privilege of your word. Thank you for the privilege of your precious bride, your church. And Father, may as we move into this year, have servants' hearts longing for the completion of our race that we may be with you. In your name, amen.